You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Hey, belly on up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar, why don't you? We have a great guest on the show today, Jason Benetti, going to join us in just moments to talk everything White Sox, a little bit about broadcasting, what it's like probably to sit next to Bill Walton. I'm going to try to get that. He was out at the Maui Invitational with him. The man wears many hats, so we got a lot of questions for him, and we're going to try to get to some questions that you gave us. If you missed out on getting a question to Jason Benetti this week and you want to ask a question to us, or to any future guests whenever we announce it on either Twitter, at Socks in the Basement, Facebook.com, slash Socks in the Basement, Instagram, Socks in the Basement. We're easy to find. We have this name. We use it for all of our different social media accounts. And you can also call us. So you can use the social media accounts, or you can call us. It's a local Southside call, 708-459-8406, 708-459-8406. You call, you leave a message, we play it. A lot of people responded to our instant reaction to the Omar Navarez for Alex Colomb trade. Some people liked what we had to say. Some people thought it was the right thing to say. Some people liked the viewpoint that I gave. Some people, not so much. And I get that. But that's the fun about this entire thing is debating. But after I saw the debate, it hit me. We're talking about guys that probably aren't going to be on the team one way or another. When Davidson goes, I like him, but I'm not sure if he's going to be on the team long term. So maybe the White Sox, their plan is, if we don't see this person on the team in two years, there is no reason to keep them around. That confuses me about Leary Garcia, but maybe they think it's such a low price, eh, we'll hold on to him for one more year. With the winter meetings coming up this weekend, Sox in the Basement is going to do some fun stuff. I've already spoken to James Fox over at the Loop Sports. If the Sox make a move or something's happening or if there's a rumor, we're going to get him on the line. We've talked to our good friend who works up in the scoreboard, Dave Marin, otherwise known on Twitter at at Nerd. He's the stats guy. He finds all the obscure stats. If a move happens, we're going to get Dave on. Give us some insight into the player that we've acquired. We're going to try to update on rumors. If we put out a quick little blurb every day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, with the regular show that we normally do on Wednesdays, but if we do little blurbs on the other days or if something happens and we shoot it out in the evening, we're going to try to cover what's going on at the winter meetings. I'm hoping a lot is going to happen. If you don't want to miss it, make sure you are subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, whatever podcast player you can think of, you can find us on it. And if you can't, I want to know about it because we'll get on it. And you can always get us at SoxInTheBasement.com. Now, I'm hoping the winter meetings are good. I'm hoping the White Sox do something exciting. I'm hoping for Bryce Harper. National media is like, oh, Bryce Harper's hanging out with Chris Bryant in Las Vegas. Cub fans are like salivating over that. They don't have the money. If he's talking to Bryant about what it's like to live in Chicago, it's because he's going to hang out with him when the Sox and the Cubs are in town at the same time. He'll get to see his friend plenty because the Sox can come up with more money. National media is starting to say things like, White Sox will probably set the market or White Sox are going to offer a lot of money. The Phillies will try to match what the White Sox do. These are the two teams that can break away from everybody else. I think the Sox are all in on them. I don't think the Sox make a lot of moves if they don't get them. I think they want to move on this as quick as possible. And the problem is you got Scott Boros and he wants every last dime. Far more things will happen at the winter meetings for the White Sox if they get Bryce Harper. 
Is it going to happen at the winter meetings? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe Jason Benetti knows. Maybe he's gleaned something. Let's talk to him. Dave's finally pulled up his stool. You guys are settled in now. Let's talk to one of the best broadcasters in all of broadcasting, in my opinion, right now on Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. We have on the phone line with us right now, and you know what's funny, Dave, is that at the beginning, when we first decided we were going to do this podcast, we each listed five people that we wanted the most on this show. We did. And I'm winning two to nothing right now. I got Ron Kittle, and now I got Jason Bonetti. Jason, how are you? Good. I have a uh, I have a friend who has a similar list for uh, he and his wife actually got to pick one person that they could safely sleep with, uh, <laughs> even though they're married. And he chose uh, Ariel from The Little Mermaid, and she was okay with that. <laughs> what? Uh, I want to know. I want to know who else is on the list. <laughs> this is well. You want my list to sleep with? On you your want my list. list? My list for people no, that no, we're no, going to interview. No, no, no. That was a segue away from a tragic possible topic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, what? Who's on your other list of, of people you want to come on the show? I'm a big Frank Thomas fan, so uh, I would love to have the big hurt on the show at some point. Um, and then uh, one of the guys that I wanted, but I'm I'm worried about whether or not that I'm ever going to uh, get to talk to him now about the White Sox. And it probably bothers you that he's gone as I wanted to talk to Matt Davidson about podcasting because he's in the podcasting or a podcast. And then the, the poor guy gets uh non-tendered last week. Yeah. It's sad for me. I like Matt Davidson quite a bit. We had a, uh, we had a great time and uh, you know, it's one of those situations where whenever he shows up on the schedule working against the Sox, I'll uh, I'll say hi and uh, I'll make fun of him for something. Now that you've been here and you've been you've been working with the team, you had the the abridged where you were only on a little bit in 2017, 2018 you were on for most of it. Now you're finally going to be the guy. Which uh, first of all, long time coming. I'm very excited whenever I see that Jason Benetti is doing the games on television. Do you? To, first of all, are you extra excited this year that it's your seat. And it's your seat for all the games. And, and then secondly, do you get now after being with the team attached to guys like Matt, where, you know, all of a sudden you open up the, the phone and you look and you go, oh, my goodness, my buddy's not going to be on the team next year. Yeah, uh, he uh, he favorited a tweet that said this is all Benetti's fault. So I think we know where that lies. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but he did, he did do that. He did do that. Uh, you, you can't help but root for all these guys, right? Like they become people you know pretty well from being in the clubhouse every day and you get to see them and see their families and meet them. And most of the people you run into, you, you get to know you really, really like. So it's, it's kind of difficult, but you know, that there's churn in all of this and that will happen. So, you know, I don't think that it's the last time I've ever uh, talked to Matt Davidson. I think we'll end up uh, remaining friends and uh, arch nemeses as well. And that's the way baseball kind of goes. But but the cool part is the journey and getting to meet all these people. Do you have a new guy that you might consider for doing a White Sox podcast with on the team? Like, if did you start thinking to yourself, well, somebody else might really like to do it, or is that dead now? Well, because, uh, because Joe Rohde set up this interview from Media Relations, I think I'm just going to do a podcast with Joe. Joe's a good guy. I like that. I think uh, I think there's something in the works, but I don't know exactly what the structure will be. But uh, I think there might be an avenue where you hear from players a little bit more via audio this coming year. We'll see. Very cool. Now, uh, turning to what's going on with the team, because I'm sure 
even though you're you're broadcasting, I mean, you do everything. You do you do radio. You're 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 doing you're doing football games, basketball. Games, you're, you're everywhere. I'm sure though you're keeping track of your main team that you're the announcer for in the, in the White Sox. Uh, what do you think about the offseason rumors right now? We think that the Sox really have a legitimate chance at Bryce Harper. I think the national media is finally starting to admit that they might have a chance. What do you think about something like that happening this offseason? I just like that the Sox, you know, the I haven't I haven't talked to Jim Tomey about it, but it seems like it's true that Jim Tomey headed out to talk to Bryce Harper. And I like that, uh, you know, the Sox who sometimes have gotten a reputation in the last year for like, okay, you know, this is just going to be another rebuilding season and they're not going for it. I, I think this organization is always interested in high-level players. And frankly, for me personally, having had Bryce Harper in AAA when I was in Syracuse, when he was first coming up with the Nationals, I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan. I think some of the things that he gets dinged for from people in the media or fans are things that you want in a player, you want in a star. I think the fact that he will run into a wall is something that you can love in a lot of ways. I think the show he put on at the Home Run Derby, which I happened to get to see close and personal, was awesome. I think his love for the game is high level. His training for the game is outstanding. Standing and and to me, he would be a huge asset. So personally, I'm rooting for that to happen. I'd like to tell you that I have great insight as to whether or not it's going to happen, but that comes down to the player and the player deciding between potential suitors. So I don't have that for you, but I can tell you that I think Chicago would love Bryce Harper and specifically White Sox fans simply for how hard he works at it. So I think it would be an absolute boon. It's not the only play that the Sox have that they can make this year. And frankly, they can stand pat and rebuild as as we've seen and have some developmental positive this year as well. It just so happens that we're hearing Bryce Harper's name attached to the Sox. And it seems like the Sox have interest as well. So I think that's an exciting thing for all of us. Hey, Jason, Dave here. Hi, Dave. (laughs) Hi, Jason. So piggybacking off of that, I mean, other than the Bryce Harper thing, which is the, you know, the dream come true scenario for, you know, White Sox, White Sox fans, what moves would you personally really like to see the Sox make this offseason? I mean, Uh, you know, I'm not big into I really want them to get blank because until you get to know the person, you don't really, truly know them. I'm sad to see Omar Narvaez go. He was a great story of a kind of reclamation of the Sox using the Rule 5 draft to a very strong result. He's a good guy, and I'll miss being able to drop wire references. <laughs> uh, that keeps me up at night. Omar Khan. Um, I, I, I was a big fan of his personally, too. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously with Kevin Smith gone, the, the catching spot is intriguing. Sebi Zavala, Zach Collins, we know the name. JT Real Muto uh, seems to be on the trading block, but I don't. it doesn't seem like the Sox are right now in the mode of wanting to trade prospects that they just stockpiled. So, you know, he. I, I think he's a great player, and I'd be interested in watching him 162 days out of the year. Patrick Corbin is off the market. Uh, I, I'm not the kind of guy who says, like, let's absolutely get this dude because I think it's 
I think it's the one thing the Sox need. I don't think the Sox are in that mode at this point. But I do believe uh, starting pitching somebody to soak up some innings and take some of the stress off of the one veteran James Shields type, I think to add some innings of somebody who can really swallow up some time in a game and help out those young starters would be a positive. I want to ask you a question that we got on Twitter from uh, one of our followers that wanted to ask you a question and then piggyback it into, uh, into something else. At Ray Shipman asked, stated, first of all, I like the stats and probability broadcast at the wildcard game. Any plans to do something like that with Steve Stone this year? So I don't know exactly. I don't think we would just do a StatCast show. I, as I learn more and more about StatCast and Mike Petriello and Daniel Kramer and all the people over at StatCast have been instrumental in my deepening knowledge of that. And I care about it. And I care deeply about the players as well. So if you just do a StatCast show over and over again, that that's not the takeaway from what we did. I think the thing that I was most heartened by on our telecast that we did for the NL wildcard game was the fact that people said the stats didn't get in the way. We were just using stats in a way that may have been more relevant to the situation. So my takeaway from that isn't uh, let's take the StatCast show and localize it. My takeaway is can we be even better in our telecast in how we apply statistics to what we do? Do we always have to put up home runs and RBIs? Because I think the criticism sometimes of StatCast is, well, there's just too much clutter. And if the response to that is simply, let's do the same amount of stats, but let's do them better, I would never object to that. But not in the place of telling stories about the players because that's the lifeblood of the game of baseball. Now, speaking of stats, though, one of the things that is becoming prevalent in Major League Baseball is the statistics on where hitters like to hit the ball. And there's an article out today uh, on a couple of websites saying that the commissioner of baseball is thinking about the idea of limiting shifts and everybody's throwing their two cents in. Do you have an opinion on this? Because on one hand, you could say, oh, you know, it's kind of changing the game with the shifting. But I'd like to see a guy be able to hit the ball the opposite way if everybody's sitting on the left side of the infield and, and it's wide open on the right side, right? Uh, there are a couple components here. It's a pretty layered thing. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, I believe, has done a story about how difficult it actually is for hitters to become shift beaters, which is, I mean, with how good pitchers have become. So that's one thing. You can't just necessarily always take that single because it's not that easy. I think it's very difficult to legislate. I don't know how you write into the rule book exactly where these players can be, especially with it being illegal to have any markings on the field to set an alignment. They may have to think about changing that as well. That's why you see players with those, um, you know, under their caps, they have uh, scouting reports on where to play somebody. You can't have any marking on the field. Like Adam Engel couldn't walk out and put a little chalk mark. Uh, out in center field to indicate where he should stand. We may have to change that for infielders. I don't know. I also think banning the shift takes away some strategy. It's like, it's like you're playing chess, right? And your rules are you can't move your queen in the first five moves of the game. Like in my house, we used to play, you have to go around once in Monopoly before you buy any property. That's a strategy changer. We didn't do it to improve pace of play in Monopoly. Maybe we should have thought about it. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like you're 
simplifying the game. Like you're making it easier or you're, you're making it less strategic. And I'm never for making a game less strategic. The layering of baseball is a beautiful thing. That said, if you read deeply about the way rules used to be, the people that are saying, oh my gosh, you can't change our game. It's so fundamentally the same as it's been for so many years. That's garbage too, because the DH showed up and we used to play with one baseball. And if it got hit into the crowd, we have to go chase it down. I don't want to go <laughs> running on the Dan Ryan for a baseball. So I'm good with rules changes, but this makes it more simplistic. And I'm not in favor of that specifically. Now, before Dave gets to another question off, uh, off our Twitter feed, I, I had one I wanted to ask you a little bit away from the world of baseball, if you don't mind, uh, more focusing on the fact that you, you do a lot of sports, you do a lot of mediums, you're, you're a broadcaster. You see, I, you know, I went to school for broadcasting and I did it for a while and then I got away from it and I got married and I, you know, I just kind of got into something else. But I spent, a, I spent almost a full decade doing radio and, and every once in a while I jump in, I do play for, play by play for some, some small town team or something like that. But I really appreciate how you attack your craft. There are times where I will hear you with somebody else on the air who doesn't do it that often doing color or you get stuck with like Bill Walton. And he's just nuts while you're doing the Maui Invitational. I mean, he's just he's just out there. And yet you always I see- love Maui. Oh, <laughs> it had to be a good time. I mean, I wish we had like a lot more time so you could give me stories about Maui and, and, and sitting next to Bill. But, I, you know, you have this thing where you're able to kind of pull whoever it is, wherever they're at, back onto the subject matter and keep things flowing without it getting awkward. You know, Howard Crosell once said, it's a shame that all these ex-jacks end up you know, on, on the air. I think they're great for color, but what's it like being a broadcaster in a world where you not only compete against other broadcasters for a chance to get into the business, but now you're competing against like some guy that used to play the game that's going to try to do play-by-play. Do, do you ever think about that? Is it a different world than it used to be? Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not a competition. It's simply getting to know the person next to you. It is an absolute challenge I take it that way to get to know somebody that I've never worked with before. It's very easy to say, well, I've never worked with him, so it might be awkward at points and we'll do better the second time. Well, what if you don't have a second time? What if you don't get to work together because it wasn't good enough? What if somebody could sit in the chair and get to know somebody faster? Why not ask questions and, and learn about the human that you're sitting next to? So that's, that's the vantage point I take and it doesn't always work, but I, I love getting to meet new people. That's the best part of this job for me, whether it's players, coaches, managers, vendors, or analysts. So that's fun for me. I mean, it, it really is. And some of the best people are the ones who believe that and do it even better than I do. I mean, uh, I was just at an event and Dan Fouts, who's a tremendous player and now analyst, said Ian Eagle was the best person he's ever worked with and he doesn't want to work with anybody else. And that's a credit to Ian for being so good with other people. And it, it, it heartens me to think that I, I get to learn about these people and get to help make them shine because that's kind of the goal. We all should together shine. And I want that for my analysts. And I have to believe they want that for the telecast and for me. Awesome. And Walton's great, by the way. I love <laughs> Bill Walton. I love I love Bill Walton. That must I love have been Maui. such a trip to hang out with him. I mean, that, that must have been oh. just a blast. I mean, the guy, the guy's an absolute genius. I know he gets a bad rap for not talking about the game. True, sometimes he doesn't talk about the game, but uh, he's a genius. He loves life. 
He has been in so many dark places that are well-documented because of injuries and sheer breakdown of his body that he sucks the marrow in a, in a positive way out of life every day. And I want to be around that. Do you think he really didn't know who the White Sox were when he said, what, uh, who are the I, White Sox? I did not care to find out. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I believe, I be, no, no, no. I believe, I believe he knows every step of what he's doing. He is so sharp <laughs> right, and right, so right, locked good, in. Good, I good. guarantee you that was a ruse just to see where I'd go from there. <laughs> uh, and I'm in, but like he knew Jerry Reinsdorf and then pretended he didn't know the White Sox. He knew my parents' names, but not my name. So I, I don't really know what the common thread there is other than farcical behavior for the enjoyment of all of us. That's funny. That's funny. So, Jason, we had a um, we had another question off Twitter uh, getting back to the White Sox. Uh, a. Woody 1027 asks, uh, do you see Yon Mankata moving to third with Madrigal moving up the system? I don't think he's ready yet to come up this year, right? I've read stories about that. I, I think Rick Hahn has said it best that the Sox aren't making a decision on that right away. Uh, is that in the, the, uh, the bag of possible choices? I think you'd have to be crazy to say no when you have somebody who's flexible that can play another position. Uh, I defer to what Rick said because he knows the development more than I. And it's not going to happen right away. Uh, and if it does happen, then, you know, don't be totally shocked either. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. And I absolutely think there'll be a second base, you know, at points in the future, whether it's now uh, and that declines or long term. I mean, I, I think it's all still available. I just I, I think if you're a team and you have an asset like that, and I'm really trying to talk like Rick, <laughs> if you have an asset like Yohan Moncada, and he can play multiple positions. Why not spend a little time and see exactly what that looks like? And I think that's what the Sox are probably mulling over. But it depends on who else you've got. And it depends on the comfort of the player and the other players. So I think it'll be fun to watch and see exactly where that plays out. But I, no decision has been made as far as I know. Before you hit the road, I, I we would have done a phone call. But the only phone caller that we got in... Actually, asked, listen to this question. I got a question for the Sox uh, in the Basement podcast for uh, the Jason Beninetti guy. I'm wondering, Jason, if uh, you could get, uh, I guess he's your cousin or maybe your brother, the, the Andrew Beninetti from uh, the Red Sox, to come over to the South Side. Uh, if we could sign him, that would be fantastic. I think he'd look wonderful next to Daniel Balka. And uh, why not even Bryce Harper over in uh, South Elfield? And hey, if we got a trade for him, maybe we can trade that uh, that Andy Angle and maybe like a, a Class A pitching prospect for him. I think the Red Sox would take that. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you think. Hey, thanks, guys. I am not currently related to Andrew Benintendi, <laughs> but that you never know. I mean, like they have like these home DNA testing kits I see on Amazon all the right. time on Black Friday. Maybe we'll check maybe, it out. Maybe you're 27 percent uh, at Benintendi and you don't know it. Like wow. maybe it's in there somewhere. Yeah, he's, He's slightly more athletic than I am. <laughs> That's uh, great. But Scott King from WGN did reach out to me. We're friends with him. And he told me that you do something. You do a John Mulaney salt and pepper bit. Do we have time for that? Well, it's not do we that end I, on that? Or what is that? that? I, it's not that I do the bit, I don't think. It's just that I love the bit so much. And you need you need to watch it if you've not seen it. So John Mulaney does this bit about going to the salt and pepper diner and he and his friend john and he says that's 
I actually had a friend named John. I'm not just talking about myself. Uh, go to this diner and they go to the jukebox and they punch in like 15 consecutive uh, What's New Pussycat by Tom Jones. <laughs> and in the middle of in the middle of that, his friend John types in one. It's not unusual. So like the fifth play happens and everybody's going nuts. And then the sixth one happens and everybody's really freaking out. And then it starts the seventh time and it's dum, 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 dum. it's not unusual. So everybody's like, oh, thank goodness it's finally over. And as John says, and when we went back, uh, it was a nightmare. And then, you know, what's new pussycat, as he says in the bit, starts very subtly. Wah, wah, what's new? So uh, it's the whole thing of like how he punched in a bunch of what's new pussycats in a row. And then one, it's not unusual. It is one of the funniest comedy bits of all time in human history. And God love him for creating that. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, listen, Jason, first of all, uh, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out to hang out on this uh, on this little but growing podcast, Socks in the Basement, because when we started this thing back in May, uh, for us to think that we would get to the point where we'd be able to start talking to guys like you about the White Sox, we, we would have been like, that's awesome. Because we're just a couple of fans sitting down yeah. here at my bar. And we and it was just amazing to me that all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, Jason Benetti will do an interview with you. I'm like, really? That's a, that, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was touched that you would take the time to talk to us. Yes, thank you. What do you guys drink at the bar? What's down there? What do you got? Oh, you got it's a, old fashioned? Oh, I one of those. You can come over next time. Kittle says he's coming. Maybe you can come with him because after he's on the show, he's like, I want to see this bar. Um, the, uh, uh, we have a full bar here. So, I mean, we got, we got beer on tap. We got, uh, uh, right now I got Christmas decorations up around the neon signs. Uh, I got a full liquor bar in the back. I, I'm a big craft beer guy, but we sit down here. We just pop the microphones right up on the bar and, and we just sit down here and have a beer and, a, and do the show. There's a wine fridge down oh, yeah, here. We got too, a little wine fridge. Thing, if you're so. in the wine, you know, I mean, I, I had a, I do a couple different podcasts. I do one, uh, locally for Evergreen Park. And one of the city officials came in and downed a couple Johnny Walker blacks. And at the end of it was like, maybe yeah. I should, maybe I should listen to this before you post it. So it gets fun down here from time to time. I'm in. I, uh, I would do that at some point. Yeah. That'd be awesome. It'd be, it'd be kind of cool. And then, you know, and then maybe, maybe, maybe Ron Kittle, maybe Kittle can bring his whittling tools and make you like a bar <laughs> stool or something. We asked, we asked him about that too. Yeah. yeah. He told me he would charge me. <laughs> nothing's for course free he would. nothing's for free Ron man. Kittle ain't free <laughs> no no he's not <laughs> he also seems like he's the kind of guy you don't want to mess with we were like two questions in and I looked at David I'm like I really like Ron Kittle but I think that if we ask the wrong question he's going to come over to my house and hit me so <laughs> I got to be very yeah, careful with a, with a club that he's made on his own <laughs> in, his in, his, in his garage yeah <laughs> Well, but Jason, thank again. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this. It was uh, it was really great. cool. It's great to talk to you. We're really excited to see what the Sox do this year in the off season, and then when the season starts up again in the spring. Um, you know, and I love listening. Me personally, I'm a fan. I love listening to your. Oh, we love uh, your the Bonetti Stone. Con- yeah, uh, it's combo. great. It's so much fun. I I, I love it. I, I you know if you don't want to answer this in the podcast, but it just popped into my head when you did the three the the threesome thing the first time that you were in there with Hawk and Stone. We were laughing on our podcast going, it was like they ejected Jason Bonetti out of the, out of there by like the third inning because, because no, that was, he, that was my, that, that was, was your my idea. Call. I thought, I actually thought <laughs> there, there were not, no, no, no. That was, that was my call because if we're going to celebrate Hawk the proper way, I thought it was a good time to hear from fans because we don't get a chance to do that very much. Like at certain events or Sox Fest, like I want to hear what fans want to ask Hawk. 
So that was actually my idea, and the stock liked it. And uh, that was that was that was in order to try to start the farewell tour from for Hawk in the best way possible. Well, I think you did it very graciously because it's got to be something to be starting a new job, but then the other guy still hasn't left yet. And I thought you handled it really well. You know, and, uh, he's been great to me. He and, honestly has been great to me. So that's never been an issue. Uh, that's, that's awesome good. to hear. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, Jason, thank you so much, and we look forward to having you down at the bar next time. Rock and roll. All right, take care. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? <laughs> I felt like it. I'm wondering, Jason, if uh, you get the cousin or maybe your brother, the, the Andrew Beninetti from uh, the Red Sox, to come over to the South Side. Uh, if we could sign him, that would be fantastic. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.